Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to a selection of the best from late lunch this last week in February. All week we spoke to listeners who had family members born on leap year day the 29th one of whom was Sharon McManus, who delivered her baby on the 29th, but in most unusual circumstances. With February 29th on the horizon, leap year day, all this week on Late Lunch, we are talking to people who have connections with that day that comes just once every four years. We've been talking to mums and babies born on the day, and this afternoon it's Sharon McManus' turn to tell our story. Hello, Sharon. Hi, how's things? <laughs> Very good. I'll tell you, they're a lot different four years on from the 29th of February. Oh, indeed, indeed. It's it's flown in one way. <laughs> it has. Doesn't the time just rattle along? Anyway, your little girl, Ellie, is four, so she'll officially celebrate her first birthday. Well, it is our fourth, but our first 29th birthday this weekend. Now, let's go back those four years. Just to tell listeners, she was your third baby. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I had two two boys before that. Dylan, he'll be seventeen now in March, and then Finn, he was five there at Christmas. Okay, and uh, you're expecting the third, and the due date is nowhere near the twenty ninth. No, that's right. It was it was in and around the twentieth, twenty second of March. So she was exactly she was exactly three weeks early. And we weren't really expecting it. Boy, did she come early! Tell us the story of the twenty ninth. How things unfolded. Um, well, it was the start of the 28th. We had, um, we got up, go to the drum and tea big breakfast over in the club and my waters had broke that morning. I had rang the hospital and they advised me just to keep an eye on it, but it may not be for the next day or two because she was so early. So that was fine. We didn't think much of it. Um, went about our day. That night then we decided maybe we should drop my youngest son in with my parents just in case anything had happened during the night so as we packed the bags and put them out in the car we were on our way from Jonesboro into Dundalk going the back Fahard Road no sign of any movement or any pains until we got to the first bridge just past McGill's that's when I noticed the pains starting starting to come so in the meantime between that bridge and the bridge coming out of Fahard I could feel I was in full-blown labour. With that, my husband had to ring my father then to come and meet us at the Ballymac roundabout. As we got to the Ballymac roundabout, there was no way we could stop, so we ended up ringing my parents then to meet us at the hospital. So as we got to the roundabout, we pulled out onto the motorway to go back up towards Newry because I was going to Daisy Hill. Right. Um, 
So as he was coming up, we were on the phone then to the hospital, just advising them that it looked to be coming quite fast. So at this time, then we were coming up the motorway and on loudspeaker, it basically got to the point where I felt like I really needed to push. They were trying to talk me through breathing. As we got coming up to the Carrickdale without any awareness whatsoever, without any really introduction needed, out she came. Uh, in the <laughs> in back the of the car. The car. <laughs> in the back of the car. And was little, yeah. Finn, little Finn was with you in, in, in the seat beside you. Was he awake or asleep? Um, to be honest, I can't even remember. <laughs> How would you remember? She, she was, I awake or asleep? <laughs> Never mind the child. I was in the front seat. My husband was driving and then Finn was, God love him, he was behind me in his car seat. I can't even remember whether he was awake or whether he was crying. There was a bit too much commotion going on to <laughs> even remember. Oh my, oh my. She had a dramatic entrance. And what a dra- So where exactly could you pinpoint on the road with at hindsight? Where was she born exactly? On the motorway, just coming up to the Carrickdale. So we didn't even make it to the hospital. So it was just it's coming up to the Carrickdale on the motorway. Carrickdale <laughs> <laughs> would have been kind of adjacent to us. So we were kind of on the border. <laughs> so Sharon, out she comes. What did you do from there? Um, well, it was a bit of a scare, to be honest. I like, you know I can laugh back at it now, but at the time, it, it, it was quite a scare. Um, my husband was still talking them through on the phone as to what what had happened. So they were saying they were going to get an ambulance to us, but by the time we got there, it would have been quicker than an ambulance coming. So what they advised me just was to keep the baby warm. So I unzipped my hoodie, put her skin to skin, and put the heat up in the car. And as we were going, it, it was quite intense. It was quite quite a scary moment because there wasn't much movement there wasn't any crying so at that time we kind of panicked because it wasn't there wasn't it wasn't looking like Mm. she was active that she she actually took her breath or that she was breathing you couldn't feel heartbeat nothing like that we couldn't feel it I personally couldn't feel it Um, as we got to the hospital the nurse and there was there was two nurses actually there one with um, a wheelchair and the other one with the file wrap. As they took me from the car into the hospital, um, I think the nurse was trying to kind of calm me down and distract me with different conversation. At this stage, I didn't know if it was boy or girl or what we what we had. So at that stage, then she was introducing it as, "No, oh, what did we have? And we locked into the girl. So they had taken us in then to the, yes. to the room and they tried to get us, skin to skin to bring our temperature up because it was quite a cold night that night they were worried that her organs might go into failure so the skin to skin wasn't actually bringing her temperature up so they needed to put her into an incubator and they had given her you know a specific time period is to hopefully get the temperature up to a correct temperature um so about 10 or 15 minutes off that time then they noticed that the temperature had started to rise so we then we could we could relax and enjoy her then at that stage. Oh, lovely, lovely. And by the way, when you were getting out of the car, the cord was still connected. That's right, yeah. Everything was still intact. So we, we did have a bit of a, a scuffle as we got as we got in to get me out of the car. Um, but I have to say that the staff in Daisy, you know, in Daisy Hill Hospital, I could not fault them one bit. They were, they were extremely competent in what, the, what they were doing. Well done, Barry, the driver. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think Barry, Barry was quite concerned as to how he was going to clean his car afterwards. Oh, no, I don't believe it. Was that... He, he was thinking, what am I going... Oh, no, come on. <laughs> 
listen, that was a minor detail, but I suppose when you have your car and you love your car. Well, that's it, that's it. No, I have to say now, he, I think because he was he was driving and he wasn't too sure, I think he was just as worried as me, but didn't really want to. Yes. Confirm so, so, it with me. So, so, so was, you were in the front seat beside him, just to clarify that, yeah? Right, yeah, okay, right, and the, uh, yeah, the baby yeah. was in the back then, Finn. And you, you nearly forgot about Finn, I believe, yeah? <laughs> well, as I was been taken out, Barry was still in a bit of a panic, so as he got out, I think he leaned over the bonnet of the car with the, with the pressure and uh, <laughs> wasn't too sure. So with that then, as we were, there was quite a few nurses and staff around the car. Um, with that then, we went went to take me in and Barry went to follow him and the nurse had said oh is there somebody else in the car and with that then Barry oh Dawn Finn <laughs> <laughs> Finn is there and then of course I'd say the folks arrived after that and oh, um, they weren't too far they weren't too far behind yeah yeah what a story this is and is it true that on her birth cert she has one of the most unusual places of birth ever what's on the birth cert that's right she has the N1 <laughs> place of birth M1 place of birth is N1 As mm. when we were signing the birth search there you go they couldn't put a hospital down because she technically wasn't born in a hospital so we didn't make, we didn't get to make it to the hospital so she has the N1 on her birth search isn't that just something else she'll, but it's she'll true never forget. Yeah, it's true not far from the character if she wanted to clarify it anyway she's four little Ellie is four on the 29th and uh, I'd say coming four years of age, they start to have an understanding, don't they, of birthdays and special occasions? Well, this is the first year she's really she's really kind of understood. Usually we yes. have a week take and stuff at home. So she was asked, what is it you'd like to do? So all she wanted was a birthday party then with all her friends from her preschool. So we've all the invitations were handed out yesterday. So she's looking forward to it. And it's on the 29th, Saturday. We're going to have it on the 29th, yeah, in Pirates, Dennings and Duck. So good it's going to be hopefully, hopefully a good day for and I believe there's a special request which a very special girl will have to get. She wants something in particular. Yeah, um, we've been, well, she informed us that for her birthday, she'd like a unicorn with a rainbow horn. So it's going to be quite a, wow. <laughs> a difficult task. But <laughs> Listen, it can it be done. It can be done. You know, like you, there's ways of improvising. You know yourself. You'll get it done for her anyway. What a story this is. It really is. On the side of the road and the way to the Daisy Hill Hospital <laughs> on the main motorway, <laughs> little Ellie arrives on the 29th of February, uh, four years ago in 2016. Ah, uh, listen, you're a star and what a lovely story it is. And thank God all ended so well for all concerned it's just oh indeed it's great that's the main thing anyway Sharon wish you a happy leap year 29th of February to you Ellie Barry uh, Dylan and uh, Finn all of you have a great time this weekend and thank you for telling your story today to us no problem thanks very much for having me take care of yourself bye bye that's Sharon McManus M1 on the birth cert. Happy birthday, Ellie. Next up, we heard from Gillian Ennis, who has suffered a series of strokes since her first in 2010. Her husband, Fergus, also joined us as the Athboy couple talked about the importance of the stroke unit at Navin Hospital to Gillian's well-being. You will have heard with Michael Reid the whole issue around the HSE directive uh, directing that patients with signs and symptoms of stroke no longer be taken to Navin Hospital. That's come from the HSE and there is a huge storm brewing over this politically and in other ways. Today on Late Lunch uh, we have invited back to the show someone you met here 
back in May 2014, almost six years ago. And they're a couple and they came and told us their story back then. And I'm delighted to welcome them back to the show because joining me again today are Gillian Ennis O'Boyle and her husband Fergus. You're both very welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for the uh, refund or re um, re. Uh, invite. Uh, invite, yeah. <laughs> you are very welcome, Gillian. It's lovely to see yeah. you. Look, just to, to refresh listeners, because it is a long time ago, 2010, you, your life just changed totally. November 2010, yeah. wasn't it? What happened? Uh, I, um, I had the... Um, went in uh, to, uh, to the hospital with... A, I couldn't feel uh, below my knees. And um, that's um, uh, to, uh, both times I couldn't feel the both of my knees. So it was so one my, knee first yeah. and then the second yeah. knee. You had yeah. no power. You couldn't yeah. feel anything no. there. No. OK, and this came out of the blue. Yes, I had um, when I was working on my off licence, um, my knee shot out and I just didn't pass any marks of it. Yes. You know, so it, um, then uh, then. Um, you had to go to hospital. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, you know, Gillian kind of yeah went to ho- we went to hospital as 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 you do. You know, something's not right. We got into hospital on the Saturday, discharged Saturday night. Same symptoms, kind of rocked up the Sunday then as well, and then we were actually administrated into the hospital in Navan. Um, at that stage, you were unclear kind of what was actually happening, and and throughout the course of kind of uh, seventy two hours, Gillian actually ended up having a full stroke in Navan Hospital, and that was back yes. in 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 twenty in twenty ten, uh, straight into ICU in on the Tuesday, and then just moved on to Beaumont Hospital into the acute unit in Beaumont Hospital for for stroke. Uh, uh, that was t- that was 2010. Mm. Uh, spent a couple of months in Beaumont Hospital and moved on to D- to Dunleary for the rehabilitation. Uh, very severe stroke. Uh, left Gillian. Uh, her speech was was zero. Went down to that. Uh, so it's aphasia. It's the ability to to find the words and get them out at the appropriate time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of one of Gillian's kind of disabilities. On top of that, then as well, all over the right hand side uh, was where we had the the severe kind of stroke. Um, so Gillian's leg would be would it's gravity that kind of works over that keeps her kind of walking. She has a boot which was which is an AFO uh, fixes her foot at ninety degrees and allows her to walk. And then her her arm would have very limited kind of functions on her arm. And and that's the I suppose that was the devastating things with with it, with that stroke in 2000, 2010. Mm. And when you came to me, you were telling me that story back in twenty fourteen. Mm. And she had surgery, hadn't she? Yes. So yes. yes, you had. Yeah. yeah, yeah, um, I had a bypass in my brain, uh, the cremel, cremel, what's it called? Cranial, cranial bypass. <laughs> it's a, I can't get the words out. Uh, then, uh, two thousand thirteen, it's a that's um, I had a, uh, two thousand thirteen. I had uh, uh, my my disease. So that's. Uh, uh, all my strokes involved. 
Okay. Yeah. So I mean, in two, 2013, that was it. It was kind of, it, it was one of those. It was one of those days where Gillian's recovery had done very well, and, and Gillian had gone on to do the mini marathon walk. Got really very good kind of walking <coughs> technique. Got back in terms of all that physiotherapy, and then again out of the blue in 2013, we found ourselves back in Navan Hospital in the A and E, uh, where Gillian actually had suffered a second stroke, uh, and this time was actually started to affect her good side of her body. So with the with the help of the stroke unit that at the time was in Navan Hospital, they were able to identify, look at Gillian's kind of track record and then from there put the appropriate measures to move Gillian up to Beaumont Hospital. Uh, and that was brilliant in maintaining what Gillian had done to date and actually preventing her having further disabilities. Okay, and we want to say that you live in Athboy yeah. and, you know, to get to Navan is what, about 10 minutes or so? Yeah, 10, 10 15. 10, 15 yeah, minutes yeah. has yeah. you in Navan yeah. and, and time was of the essence in 2013 mm. again when mm. more problems were absolutely imminent for Gillian. Yeah. And subsequently you've had to use Navin 2018, was it? Yeah, yes. yeah, same, yeah. Same thing again, 2018. Again, we had a, we had a sim, similar situation where all of a sudden Gillian's kind of blood pressure just starts to drop, drop, drop. And she was having constant kind of what was like mini seizures. They were like an absent seizure. And it was down to her condition, Moya Moya, uh, where we had blockages in the brain. But again, you know, you're in, we went straight into Navin Hospital, straight into the A&E, straight into that stroke recovery unit. And from there, there was a dedicated staff, the stroke nurse, could see Gillian, look at the history, know what to do, and then could start feeding into the centre of excellences where obviously where Gillian was treated in Bowman Hospital. Mm. And that was a huge safety blanket for me because I said, you know, we've 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 gone across, we've got into the hospital, we're seen straight away. And I said, time is of the essence with, with stroke. And I said, fr- from from our point of view, it was, it was amazing. And the treatment we had in that hospital was very, very good. Um and I suppose bringing us on to the point today, we've now heard the news that that service is no is no longer available. So for for us, that security blanket is gone. It's whipped underneath us. Um, now we're in a situation that yes, Gillian's will will eventually have kind of further strokes down the line. And touch wood, hopefully it'll be a long, long further, long, long time away. But that that need and that necessity to get into a hospital environment for stroke is now gone in our area. And we have now got to go further afield to get to get that treatment. So that means either travelling up to Beaumont Hospital, travelling up to the Matter Hospital, or even, you know, Mullingar or Drogheda were the other two options oh, available. Cavan. Cavan is on Cavan the list on that the they list. say is an alternative yeah. as well. Yeah. But look, you came to Drogheda today from Athboy. Yeah. Instead of 10, 15 minutes into Navin, what would you be talking about here with traffic in Slane and into Drogheda? Yeah, it, it could be from 45 minutes to, to an hour, depending on the traffic and weather as well. I mean, even the river is up high in the Boyne, so part of the road is flooded. Uh, you know, and then, you know when you find yourself in those situations where your loved one is beside you having a stroke, I mean, t- 2013 was a prime example. Gillian just was sitting in the car, unable to speak, mm-hmm. unable to talk, and was, well, how I can describe it, was like a vegetable beside me. And I said, you know, to have that in the car and the pressure there as well, you just want to get that patient to the best possible care as quickly as possible in the fastest time and I mean that's the whole idea the, the FAST campaign is is for all stroke patients how quickly you can get the treatment in Now you know the, the official line in this is that stroke patient outcomes are optimised by treatment in centres with higher volumes of stroke treatment you know the centre of excellence concept that applies to other things like cancer heart, cardiac uh, in your case as well 
do you understand like that's the argument that will be made back to you yeah very much so and I mean from our point of view as said you know it's further and further afield you know the ambulance have got to come a further afield to collect to collect Gillian or you take the, you take the option to try and present to that hospital uh, but at the same time if, if those centre of excellence are already under pressure there probably isn't another stroke bed the stroke bed has now gone out in Navin there isn't another one to replace it elsewhere it's, it's one less bed it's one less unit so they're now under pressure pressure to deal with more of a bigger catchment area but the the, the stroke nurse the training that the, the those staff would have in Navin is vital and that's gone from the hospital so if you present now with any type of stroke symptoms th- where the expertise is no longer there that's where we're going to have a massive problem so then we're, we're now sitting in a car going another 40 minutes and every time you're thinking I said well how much is Gillian's how much of how much my loved one is going to come back uh, how much what level of disability is she going to end up having at the end of not getting the proper treatment and it's 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 the timing of that is 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 critical in the area how do you feel like how do you feel are you really worried now i am totally worried it's um as like fergus says um it's i'm afraid for myself which i have will have another stroke which i uh, like i will be like vegetable well, it's not a vegetable. It's a. Uh, I can't communicate. Yes. Yeah. So you have a real deep down yeah, worry yeah, about yeah, this, yeah. and Navin means the world to you and has meant the world to you. Yes. Yes, I, I totally agree. It's a. This is my second home, Navin. Mm, <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. I yeah. know. When you put it like yeah, that, that yeah. you have that comfort, yeah. Fergus. Yeah. yeah, it is yeah. that. It is that comfort blanket. Yeah. It's it's that security where even from from a carer's point of view, the minute you get in the door, and for somebody a nurse there to say to you, you know, we've got her. You know, we've lo- we're now looking after Gillian. It takes that huge pressure, and it's that. It's 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 that for me is the big thing that that I'm I'm going to see the, the huge huge kind of loss. And as opposed to being sitting in traffic, wondering what's going to happen, how far it's going along, and wondered, did I should have done something better? Should have gone a different route? You know that stress and worry. And then at the same time, if if Gillian was in the car, I said, you know, you're putting yourself under pressure. You're trying to get bre- either brake lights or get over the speed limit, or even if said if you're you're sitting at home, you you absolutely useless waiting on an ambulance. Mm. You know, while you could say, well, hang on a second, I could have got into the car, could have got her into the car, moved her to Navin very quickly, and then at the same time said, now she's in the hands of the professionals. Mm. That's all been taken away from us. And not alone have you uh, availed of the facilities there, and they've been life-saving for you. You've raised a lot of money for, haven't you? Yes, I, uh, yeah. um, uh, I am an advocate... Yes. Yeah, an advocate. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Of the Irish Heart and Stroke Foundation, I can. Uh, I um, postcard, as you says, um, I raise a lot of money. I'm. Yeah. Yeah. Over I, yeah, seven. Yeah. Is it yeah. seven thousand? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, over, yeah. over the years, we've we yeah. yeah, Gillian's kind of gone out there, you know, walked to Mindy Martins for yes. the Irish Heart and Stroke Foundation, and their big drive was to get these acute stroke units into yeah. all the hospitals yeah. in Ireland. So again, back into 2010, Navin didn't have one. Uh, the work that they've done in the background to get these stroke units I think we got up they got up to 23 units across the country yeah. Letterkenny is the only yeah. county that actually doesn't have one at the moment and there's a push on just late last year to try and get their one now 
after all that work we see the opposite there now the service is getting taken away from the county of Mead so you, you kind of asked to ask the question said huge amount of work have gone into getting that dedicated units only for it to be taken away and that's kind of very disappointing I better just hold me hold me waist here for a moment Fergus and Gillian Ennis O'Boyle with us on late lunch today and you know at this stage Gillian's story first back in 2010 she stuck she uh, endured a massive stroke and she's had a number since and she's been in and out of hospital hospital and rehab etc and a number of operations on the brain as well and I was just saying to her on the break Fergus you look fantastic well thank you no you do well, you, thank you. you really do look I, great uh, uh, music to my ears ah. <laughs> I'm delighted to yeah. bring a little music yeah. to your ears but again just to say to listeners you know in your in your mind yeah. what you want to say yeah. to me but the difficulty is just getting it out is that it's the a, challenge Gillian? it's a damn aphasia so yes I get a flutter flushered yes it's flushered yeah. yes yeah, I yeah, understand yeah, yeah. you get a little flustered yeah, yeah. and, and, and does, it, does that do you ever get really annoyed about it that you can't to, uh, yes I do and it's a, I have a great voice behind me. <laughs> you <laughs> have. My husband. You. Yeah, 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 I suppose like, yeah, we've been together so you can kind of understand and make yeah. that a lot of it easy, but it would be small stuff. So it's, it's the kind of, it's aphasia. So it's the ability to find words in the right, in the right locations. Mm. I think the best way to describe it for Gillian to get the word out mm. is she's got to go into the library to find the book, to open the page, to find the word to bring it to the front of the counter to get that word out and it's a very kind of descriptive thing it could be quite small it could be a black you know the black coat as opposed to the thing that's hanging off the clothes horse you know that kind of stuff I think that's a uh, wonderful yeah. description of, of of the difficulties that yeah. you do encounter yeah. it really is and that's all due to the trauma to the brain and, and the number of times she's had to you yeah. know yeah. endure this Come back to the, the the safety blanket of Navin and the hospital and what it's meant to you as a family and and your fears for the future. Yeah, I think I think you know for, from us it's 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 losing that security blanket not just for the kind of the stroke unit but I said that's a one service that's going to get stripped away. Uh, it's the training, the expertise that all went into that unit too as well. So the next crop of staff to kind of come through probably will not go go through those kind of those professional training. So we're going to lose that. We're going to lose that. And then when we, if we happen to manage to get into Navin, what they're talking about is now is say, well, we're going to move you up to Bowman Hospital or we're going to move you to the Matter Hospital or to one of these other units. Mm. So, you know, from that point of view, that, that changes the whole dynamics of it. Um, and it puts us under more and more kind of more and more pressure to make those critical decisions mm. at the proper time. So, uh, that expertise at that moment in time when you come in the front door, you'll still go into the hospital, but yeah. unfortunately you won't have that level yeah. of yeah. specialist yeah. care there for, for the stroke situation. I will be in the uh, waiting. Right. Yes, I understand. Yeah. I understand. And time is of the essence. Yes. F-A-S-T is their own. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, actually, that's, that's kind of, it is. It's But it's the Irish Heart and Stroke Foundation. They're the one that kind of fund that big campaign. It's not actually kind of local money or local government or even from the HSE. It's actually the work that that Heart, Irish Heart and Stroke Foundation do to actually pay for that advertisement. And unfortunately, you've seen it in the past. It hasn't come back on the radio stations. It hasn't come back on the TV stations because the funding isn't there. I think mm. there's a big drive now for kind of, um, the CPR and yes. the heart oh, yeah, at the moment. Yeah, I yeah, know, yeah, and, and it yeah. sort of moves around. But that was a huge yeah, campaign yeah. at one stage, and I think it really did get the message across to people. There is, like, there's only one. How are you feeling, Jerry? <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> all, I'm always feeling good when you're it's here, a, I have a, to say. 
uh, you seem to be uh, frustrated with the situation. <laughs> well, look at, I feel your frustration and you've got that from me as well yeah. because, you know, you build up these units in each county, as Fergus was saying there, in each area and now you pull it apart just like that in a second yeah. and that yeah. has to be frustrating whether you've uh, availed of this or uh, had, uh, you know, uh, association with it or not. You just understand that. Here's the thing. There is only one solution to this, really, isn't it? To leave things, yeah, leave, yeah. leave things as they are, yeah. Gillian. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I'm, uh, 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 I totally agree with the save the hospital uh, stroke unit uh, with a padder uh, putting. <laughs> yeah, padder, padder, yeah. Tobin. Yeah. I know is yeah. heading this up as well yeah. on yeah. the political front. Yeah, uh, yeah, for, you, know, you you kind of look and say. If you know they've made that decision, the memos come out to the to the ambulance drivers. This is what happens. What you do if somebody has a stroke-like symptom, you know that's the mandate that they've gone through now at this stage. The the problem the problem is for I suppose from everybody in the county, that's the stroke bed unit. You have to ask the question: What level of service is going to be pulled out of Navan Hospital mm. again? What level of service? Yes, it's a bigger question. So there's kind of mm. it, it will have a knock-on effect. And at what stage you just say, well, no, you know, we want this reinstated. We would we we need it as a, a community. Yeah. We need it as a town. We need it as a county. Uh, and while you look at the size of Donegal, they're driving to get one, and yet we have now just stripped it. And got rid of yeah. it in the whole county. Uh, I um, uh, last thing I want to say. Um, I, I want to say. Um, go on, go yeah. ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, go <laughs> on. Uh, last thing I want to say. Um, uh, younger people are having the strokes. Yes. The younger people yeah. are having the strokes more and more. So. Yeah. And, and um, yeah. So. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, we hear what you're saying this afternoon. Um, Look, I, I thank you for joining me on, on the show today. Uh, it, it's one we're going to hear more about, I'm sure, over the coming mm. days and weeks. Yeah. But your your call again is to, to revisit this. Fergus. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, to, to, to take a little bit of rationale and say, well, hang on a second. This is for this is for the, the the greater good. This is for the for the community. This is for the area. Uh, and actually, it's it's for everybody's loved ones for a chance of actually surviving stroke mm. in a positive manner thanks for coming in Gillian to yeah. late lunch again today it's lovely to meet you I can't believe it's so long since you were here I wish you well going forward yeah. Thank you very with much. your health and and all that goes with that <laughs> yes absolutely and yeah. uh, I wish you good wishes as well with the ongoing thank campaign thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for joining me on the show Gillian Ennis O'Boyle and Fergus thanks a million cheers thank, thank, you. thank you watch this space on the Navin Hospital situation a cool runnings replica story caught her attention midweek I'll say hello to Susan Oakes this afternoon who's in Mexico I believe hello Susan Hi, how are you? I'm very good. I just want to remind listeners, you and I spoke a few weeks back about skewering. Tell them what skewering yes. is again. Remind our listeners. It's um, being pulled on skis behind um, a horse. I was riding the horse and Barry O'Brien Lynch was on the skis. Yeah, we talked to Paul Barry he threw the short straw. I remember saying that to him when we <laughs> spoke last. But here's the thing. You had to train with no snow for this big event in Canada. Yeah, we had to train. So we didn't... All we had was um, a tractor, a rope, a sled and a roll of carpet. And that's how we trained in Ireland before we took on the best seashore people in the world. <laughs> and you headed off yourself and Barry. We knew this. You told us about it to Canada, this yeah. major international event. And guess what? You won! 
we walked the biggest event. <laughs> it was, it's the most amazing story and the whole, everything is just unreal. It's hard to believe like that an Irish team that trains with no really equipment or conditions could come out in the, on the big stage and win their big prize. Ah, oh, listen, this is just wonderful. But it just shows you the spirit and the determination of the Irish. 50 competitors from the USA and Canada who were practising on snow for God knows how long. And you go out from a piece of carpet and mud and a tractor in Ireland and knock the sparks out of them. I love this. Do you know what I'm thinking? It is like cool runnings. You know the movie. Yeah, well, that was actually one of my favourite um, childhood movies. So, and we arrived in Calgary just like they did. Um, I had no warm clothes because I'm down here in Mexico. So I arrived in kind of looking like the cooler runnings in Calgary. So I'm sure as well spotted. And then to take on everything was just, just incredible. And we ended up in the Ranchman's for the after party where the cool runnings celebrated their, their achievements as well. So it's really very, very similar. There you go. So there is an actual connection between you and the film. And just reminding people, if you haven't seen it, it was about a Jamaican bobsled team who went to the Winter Olympics. And now we have an Irish scoring team who went to Canada, Calgary and won Icy Cool Runnings 2 coming, starring the wonderful Susan Oaks, the horsewoman, and the man himself, daredevil, yes, Barry O'Brien Lynch. Oh, I see it. It's in the making. They'll be on to you already. They'll be looking for the rights, yeah. etc. So negotiate hard the pair of you. Listen, congratulations. Oh, listen, so congratulations much. again. I'm absolutely thrilled for both of you. So what's the story here? Will you go back and I'm looking way ahead. Can you take this up seriously? Will you go back and defend your title or is that too far ahead? Uh, no, already we've had um, a lot of invitations saying to compete in Montana. Right. So we're going to be taking on, uh, we're going to hit the American scene. We've been invited to an awful lot more competition. Um, and there's a lot of people very interested. So <laughs> you will see more of us on, on horseback and skis and training on tractors in Ireland. Oh my, the future <laughs> is just so exciting and a new vista has opened up. Did you ever think with all your brilliant horsework through the years that you'd be renowned for skewering? <laughs> no, I certainly didn't. I didn't, I never, it was never in my uh, in my vision but I'm actually I'm so delighted that I've taken this on <laughs> I can hear it in your voice I can just envisage it and I'm sure our <laughs> listeners can as well Susan will listen just again to touch base with you and tell our listeners you can look at the video you can look at the video on uh, Twitter LMFM Twitter check out LMFM Twitter now yeah. and you can see what we're talking about the practice they put in in Ireland with minimals and went and won internationally Susan, you're a star. Thank you for joining me on the show. Wish you well. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's the wonderful Susan Oaks from County Meath. And we say congratulations as well to Barry O'Brien Lynch, who just couldn't, unfortunately, join us on the show today. Check it out. It's wonderful. You'll smile. You'll enjoy it. 
Congratulations again to Susan Oakes and Barry O'Brien Lynch. And on Friday, our Women With Opinions, Betty Clark, Kira Burke and Karen Devine had their say on a range of topical matters. It's the last one of the month. That means Women With Opinions on Late Lunch. And I'm delighted to welcome back to the show, Kira Burke, Betty Clark and Karen Devine. Ladies, you are all so welcome. Great to see you all this afternoon again. Thank you, Jerry. Thanks for joining me. I've given you a little chalky bicky there with your with mm. your coffee. Is that all right? We're trying to get rid of all the sugar. You know the crack before Monday, so look, do your best. Eat finish up, eat up, yeah, we'll eat up eat there. there finish <laughs> off that packet of biscuits, will you? Anyway, let's get straight to business here. Look, since you've been here last, we had the awful death of Caroline Flack, and we're going to come on to that in a, in, in a little while. But an aspect of this is online abuse and bullying. And I put the question, I put this to you three this afternoon, or the proposal. Should it be now mandatory to produce ID like a passport, a driver's licence or something like that, or a couple combined, before you're allowed open an account in the online world? Karen Devine. Well, I suppose to me, my my way of looking at it is if you've nothing to hide, then it shouldn't be an issue. You know, um, anything that I say on social media is said with my name in clear view and I've no difficulty. And if I met you on the street, I would say the same thing to you. And that's the, the way I apply it. I know I do understand that in other countries where... Um, human rights abuses take place and different things like that. Elements of being able to be online and share information confidentially is important. But I think for the most part in this country, we should certainly look at applying a a policy like that. You shouldn't have anything to hide. Do you agree? Do you agree that people should have to produce ID? Yeah, I I would have no difficulty. Because, you know, if you're going to open a bank account, you know, if you have to apply for different jobs in this country, you name it, uh, visas to go abroad, whatever, Mm -hmm. you have to, you won't get them. You just can't just sign up. I mean, at the moment, if you're going to the US, they ask you to list all of your social media accounts. They're checking your social media to see what your opinions are. So you can see where that fine line is between something being... Uh, honest and being abused, mm. you know, but realistically, um, I think for what we for the aggression uh, that we see on social media and the abuse of other people that I think it, it we're reaching that point now where it needs to be regulated. Is it overstepping the mark here? Is no, it becoming a big brother thing? Is, is it is it wrong to to ask no, that this be done? No, I don't think so. But I honestly don't think that it's going to stop uh, the trolling that's going on because um, like there are people quite happy to be um, victi- to victimise people online with their with their name out there and there's people willing to bully people uh, in full view of their name it's not all anonymous so um, like I do agree I think there's I know there are some anonymous ones and I think that you shouldn't have uh, you shouldn't have a, a an account unless you have a passport or a driver's licence or some sort of identification that you're known known. it's just it's it's, all you need now is an email address and anyone can set up any kind of email address absolutely no problem but but I I don't think that it's going to stop any of the online bullying though I mean there's people quite happy to give their opinion and to be very nasty and I'm sure any of you even in this room have been the victim of someone not even not that nasty but nasty comments do you know what I mean Mm. so if you're in the if you're in the public domain like some of these people including Caroline Flack and the people who are putting themselves out there to be famous or whatever they are literally asking to be abused and if you're not able for it, 
well then you shouldn't be going into it in my opinion I'm going to come on in a moment to uh, the policing of it Betty mm-hmm. just on the question about needing I do you yeah. to, to agree would you agree oh, as no, well I would agree but I just thought on how you, they'd, they'd actually put it into practice Jerry. Mm. I don't see Facebook they're, they, they're, they're very bad at regulation anyway they they you know you're coming into a person's freedom and yeah that's what I was saying right? to Kira. So I, we... I don't know how you would enforce that I, I do agree the same as you say you go down to the bank you can't even get access to your own money that no. you have to give there's yeah. such regulations mm-hmm. now about money laundering setting up bank accounts or whatever you know so they've tightened up completely on that end but online seems to be a different free for all and I think it started about 10 years ago. Do you remember when Simon Cowell started on X Factor and he was the first person I remember who abused the people who couldn't sing or whatever and it was shocking at the time that he was so nasty and it's kind of filtered down through the whole media and uh, uh, showbiz circles mm. that you're entitled to be this you know they nearly all these panels have to have a Mr Nasty or a Miss Nasty mm. do you know mm. it's be, we've become neutralised uh, um, desensitised yes, desensitised mm. yeah, yeah, to yeah. this so, type of thing so I don't know what Jerry? about controlling it do you, the policing of it you know if somebody is and whether they're identified or you find out who they are like, you know laws we're waiting for a law to be enacted in this country you know to to really start the process of actually charging people for an offence like a defamation of character yeah, look, mm. yeah, yeah. abuse bullying online mm-hmm. the Coco's Law I think is the name of it that, that's yeah. coming uh, after a poor girl I interviewed her mum here on the show that took her own life because of, of bullying it's on the way hopefully it'll get it, be enacted in the next all you're in favour of that of course oh, everybody absolutely. yes mm. Karen yeah. 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 well I think Having a law in place and having identifiable social media users means that while you may not be able to stop people being nasty, you should be able to curb the the threats that come to people. So yes. the numbers of public profile uh, people who get death threats and, and people say horrendous things, you know, the words rape are used, you know, and threats are made against people's children and things like that. If you're identifiable as a social media user and Let's not forget, like if you're looking at somebody on Twitter and if they have the blue tick against their name, it means they have over 10,000 followers, but it means they've had to prove to Twitter what their identity is. So Twitter can do this for people over a certain... There's no, there's no question do it for that everybody. it can be done. And the same they with just Facebook don't have the and desire to Yes, who it. own Instagram yeah. and, and the WhatsApp yeah. as well. They have to all do it. This leads... Well, does it lead? Just moving on, because another topic I wanted to, to chat to you about today, and you, you, some of you believe there is a link. Fewer women have been returned to the doll following the recent election. My question is this. Do gender quotas really work? Um... I don't believe they do. Um, I, I I kind of feel that they just have to fill in the numbers um, and not necessarily the right candidates, perhaps, if there's a gender quota. Um, I, I did listen to some of, not all of it, some of the interview with uh, some of the outgoing TDs and um, Miriam McCallaghan there a couple of weeks ago. And like the abuse they have to take on a daily basis. And I, I honestly believe that women take more abuse from other women by the way, as well as men, um, that they take an awful lot of abuse, especially online. It's like if you're a TD, you are owned by the people. And yes, you might have been voted by them, but then it's like they have a license to abuse you to a height because, and you know, whether you are a person, a local person or whatever, there is no w- reason for the abuse that they give to um, So you're women. saying to me, let me try and context this, you're actually saying that 
quotas, the parties had to run so many female candidates, which they did. They met the quotas, right? You're saying to me that potentially women of talent and ability are not putting their names forward. Is that what you're saying to me because of this? I would absolutely say that. So you're saying there is a link? Look, politics is the hardest game you can be in, in my imagination. And I, I cannot, you cannot pay them enough to do the job that they do and take the abuse that they take. And the people of this country, especially, I don't know what it's like in other countries, they feel like they own them just because they voted for them. They they feel that they're allowed to abuse them and uh, give out to them, that they're not giving them their special... Betty, will you take that up there? Gender quotas not working in terms of women being re-elected at all. The numbers are down. And you hear already what Kira has to say about this abuse. Well, I, I could be the devil's advocate and say if I was Mary Lou Macdonald, I'd say the, the women went, they ran with, from the wrong parties. So that's, I would have to say that's why, that, that's why they're not back in government. So we'll have to take that one. That's the first thing. But the second thing I wanted to say, as, as a woman, though, you you're, you're, you're really do put up a lot, a lot more personal abuse, your body image, your shape, your size, your age, your wrinkles. I don't think men get that same abuse. So, you, you know, women, you're asked women to put themselves in that ring for what? You know, so it's a tough number and maybe your family life is going to suffer. You know, they're just on the on call. It's it's So so what's the answer? The what, what I don't the, know if the I don't think that the the gender the quota. What did you say? Yeah, the, gender the, quotas. Yeah, yeah well, I think it's all just in, ta- in name only, Jerry. It's kind of it's to to be seen to be doing something personally. I do, I don't. You don't think there's a genuine you know. Um, push to try and balance out the male-female, you know, number thing in Dáil Éireann. Do you not believe that? No, I don't, no. Karen, no. do you do you believe it? I, I, well, I do believe that they're, they're, on, they're making a push. I do believe they're making a push to, okay. to have the gender balance, but it's not working because the women are not being supported in the way they should be on the, for their home life and, you know, all of that, that sector. Because I'm telling you, that's I've been asked to run and Karen has been asked to run and I have... I took one look at it and I said, I said, I didn't even have to think about it. Mm. I knew that, okay, well, if I run for this, I have to give it my all. My kids get nothing. My family life gets nothing. So that's my decision, right? So unless you are being supported and I don't know how they're doing it in Finland because in Finland, we've some of the top ministers are women and the, the prime minister and the prime minister of New Zealand. And there's fabulous women around the world that are have top ministries and presidents. I think they have great men or women behind them, depending on what relationship they're in. For me, I suppose gender quotas, we're still relatively new to this in Ireland and they are a long term strategy. There's no two ways about it. Um, According to research, that if we were to keep going the way we're going, it would take another 50 years for there to be gender balance within politics uh, across the in in first world countries. So we do need to do something to accelerate that. But I don't. I do think gender quotas are important because they do push party organisations at local level to not automatically pick male candidates, to actively seek out, nurture and support female candidates. I think the team from Women for Election are doing amazing work in terms of working with anybody who's potentially thinking about politics or working in the support structure mm. around politics, providing that training, mentoring, support. Um, and I think all of these things, if we were to look at gender quotas and say, well, they haven't worked this time around, you know what, it's a failed policy, we're missing the bigger picture. And yet you didn't run. 
Oh no, but that that's very much a personal decision. Okay. I, I run a but small is it, business. Is it the same? I understand no. you're like Kira. You're all here in the same boat. Is that because of what Kira said, repeating what without repeating it there? Because of you know your 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 other commitments. No, it would be general frustration with politics as as a structure as it is. If I look at. Um, I have a certain amount of time and I have a certain amount of skills that I can bring to something. And politics isn't necessarily the way for me to get things done. Um, You know, so if I'm involved in a campaign, we may look at going a certain direction and taking that campaign and I will invest my time and my skills in a certain way that I know will deliver results. Um, And actually a very good friend of mine, when she was asked to run for politics first and she, she was successfully elected and has been on a number of occasions, but I said, part of the challenge with politics is you will end up serving the people who won't serve themselves, the people who will just lean on you to do stuff that they should be doing themselves. And the big picture things that you really want to get done, the reasons you go into politics, they're the ones that will suffer. Isn't that a good point? Like when you look at the casualties in the last election, most of them held junior or ministerial mm-hmm. posts and were more than likely penalised by the constituents for neglecting them. Do you know this Irish yeah. psychic here that's mm-hmm. there? You know, the day you're elected, you're looking at the next election and, you know, the, the rump of people who voted for you. Yeah. Aren't we suffering as a country because of that? The big issues oh, are... Oh, I think that, like, I don't think... If, like, I know I'll be disagreed by this, but I don't think a four-year government is enough. I think there has to be a, an overall plan for, you know, a 20-year plan. I'm not saying that... And I think that all government parties should be on the same plan to make the country a better place. So an executive. An executive. But you see, this is what the civil servants are doing. But because they're all in these little um, structured and, you know, in level five, level six, level seven management positions and they're so um, unionised and, you know, they don't want to make any changes either. And if you're a gung-ho politician that's coming into the doll and you want to change this and you want to feel that you're you're not going to be able to do anything. No, you're strangled. You're, you're, like, you're so strangled the system is wrong. Betty. George Lee was, was the yes. perfect example. The man was full of gusto, <laughs> full of enthusiasm, passion, change. And then he went into... Finnegale. But you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden he had to, he had to keep his mouth shut, Jerry. He a fella who was there so 30 years going round doing this, that and the other God. side. Who does that bucko think he is? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So the right man for the job because he had lots of knowledge in economic, on the economics yeah. side of things. So that's just a typical example. An example. Yeah. How, It'll never change. I sit here today and think it'll never change. But the one thing that's worth focusing on is, and international research shows this, that within companies and organisations where women have stronger leadership roles and more better, where there's better levels of equality, those companies are more profitable. So if you look at it from a purely economic perspective, Mm -hmm. by bringing diversity of thinking into development of policy and the way you do things, it actually works better for everybody. And I think we just have to stick with it. Hey, I want more women. Listen to this. You mentioned it a while ago. I want to move to Finland. Four day working week, six hour days and the women are running the show. Whoa, I (laughs) want to move. Helsinki, here I come. Okay, can I say say to that, um, like if you're only on a four day week, I'm on a four day week. So if you're looking for your dinner out on a Saturday, I won't be open. (laughs) Because I'll be on the same four day week no, you're yes. on. Well, could she not do the other four days? <laughs> yeah. We do the beginning of the week yeah. and she do the weekend. Yeah, so that yeah. you come in to me for you, dinner. You do and the then where do I go for me dinner then and when you're off? Do you know what it'll encourage? It'll yeah. encourage people to start cooking again yeah. at home and doing a little bit. I'm not trying to knock your business. No, 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 because there's nobody it. cooking anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Karen, like, can't you see this being the way of the world? Seriously. 
No. I kind of think, at its most basic. Do you think Finland are out of step, extreme, they're going to be just no, it's, unique? It's not, it's not that they're Four out of days, step Four days, six or extreme, hours, 24 but, hours a week. But that only works if you're really, really productive for the hours that you're at work. And I think if we have a really honest look at a lot of workplaces in Ireland, we have what's called presenteeism, which means... I'm here. It doesn't actually mean I'm working or productive. You know, I'm looking for my holidays. I'm online shopping. I'm doing X or Y or Z. So, you know what? If we all actually tightened up and worked harder for the hours that we were there, it's a possibility. And I mean, I think they they did something similar in Sweden where they did a trial run working six hour days. And while they saw some benefits, they didn't see the benefits that they needed to see to make it work. And that's the point. You can only do a four day week if you're getting five days or you're getting a full productive week of work done. I could cheer when you said that because it is so true that being present. Now, in your job where you, you know, you run a busy restaurant Mm. and there's none of this because people have to be on their toes Mm -hmm. and they're working and they're serving customers. But you take... You know, a big, well, uh, better not say anybody here. Organisation. A, a big organisation, a big, probably the biggest organisation in the country. And the amount of time that's spent on Google mm. and WhatsApp mm-hmm. and Facebook and... I'd say there's a huge amount of um, non-productive Massive. time. Yeah, but I think, I think six hours a day, four days, personally... I always find when you're going somewhere or you have something to do, you get an awful lot more done, done, Jerry. You really do. It's like ask a busy person rather than you've all, it's five day week, you're sitting there on a Monday, oh my God, I'm in this dump till till Friday till my wages come through. I hate my supervisor, your one's a bitch and I hate my husband because we'd have a terrible weekend. So that's Monday, right? So that's mostly five, yeah. So imagine if you worry there till Thursday and you say, well, I can escape the kids on the Friday, I can go into town on my own and spend the day can't escape Ran- the husband though. Well, the husband, that's another story. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you would be much more. You would, Jerry. It's like years and years ago when I when when I was working in Eagle Star, like that's a long time ago, and small kids and all the, all the rest. It was a nightmare. You'd ne- we wouldn't get any such thing as days off. You know the the, mm. the, the you know the flexi time. flexi time or anything like that. Now people work from home. They only work say two days a week, and they go into the office another two days. So it has progressed an yes. awful lot to stop people having to travel and yeah, travel so is I dead really, time yeah. I would be very much to cut the work hours and focus like cram the five hours into the four that's the work amount of work that they get uh, we have to park it there for a moment it's Women with Opinions on Late Lunch this afternoon if you want to join in you're welcome 086 1800 658 by WhatsApp or text that's if you're not on Google or WhatsApp or Facebook or wherever we'll be back in a minute now let's move along something that funny enough there's a lots of links between what we're talking about ladies today Laura Erskine from Mummy Pages has written an article recently and she's proposing a reduction in the number of school holidays children have in Ireland. Currently, it's 69 days for primary and 89 for secondary school children. Now, how many girls had you in your time? I still have them, Jerry, and there's four of them. <laughs> oh, look and they're you. still at school. There's no need to be like that. Yes. Anyway, what do you make? I, I sent you the article. You had a look at it as well. What do you think of this? Well, I find that with girls particularly, uh, they don't, they, they love their their breaks. And I actually find that they, they do a lot and they learn a lot on their breaks or whatever. But they don't need that man, uh, amount of holidays. But they are dying to get back to school in September. Now, I know that if it's, 
I can't say all boys, whatever, but girls are very sociable. Mine are all sociable animals. So, you know, we live in the country, so they don't, they don't get to see their friends every day. So they're mad to go back to school. They enjoy school. They like school. So why not give them more time? You'd re- you'd reduce the holidays. Well, you'd be in favour of reducing the school holidays. Yes, Jesus, I have to pay for them. I have to pay for uh, kind of keeping them amused for the rest of the time. So it costs me a lot more money to have them off school than it does to have them on school. You see, when I read the article, that's what jumps out about from this article to me. It's more about the parents than the mm. children. Oh, absolutely. It is, no, it is about the parents and there's parents saying like, I'm working and I'm, I'm trying to amuse my kids for three months of the year or whatever. And if you don't have the money, like I'm sending mine off to the Gaeltacht now for, now it's costing me a lot of money to send three of them to the Gaeltacht, but it's another learning thing. It's like being at school mm. for another three weeks. But I'm thinking, okay, it's either that or they're in my dishwasher for the, and they won't appreciate me. So, for it's, so in your case, it's money. You, you, if there were more at school, you'd spend less on them. And uh, for other people, uh, you know, if they at school more they might save on uh, child minding costs as well yeah. you know what I'm getting at oh no absolutely yeah so this article is not about the good of the children it's more about the, the mums and dads well I think if you think about it at the moment the school year is probably largely dictated and hasn't changed because of the will of the teachers yeah. as opposed to the will of the children or the parents so I'm not sure that the kids are coming in the centre of this conversation from one any way or angle the other. from a teaching exactly. angle a parent angle yeah. or anything um, and I mean realistically uh, there are definitely arguments I mean we talked last month when we were here about the lack of support for families and that is a very very real issue and I think there could be a game changer in this and I understand that creches are private businesses, private enterprises. But if we were in a scenario where creches and after school care for children was provided as a state service, right? So they, each of the creches still stay uh, as they are and they still have their own clients, but they're actually paid for by the state. You could regularise things there. You could have standard meals for children. You could have standard learning for kids. It would give equality to both parents and children, no matter what financial circumstances you're born into. If every child at one year of age is starting out with the same nutrition, the same education, the same supports and structures, if every parent has the same Mm. ability to go out and work because they have good quality childcare, well then actually that becomes a real game changer and it balances out that level of like we see that at primary school some children starting primary school are already way behind their peers because they haven't had good quality early years care and be that from parents or crushes or family or whoever so I actually think that this and it would provide parents with the ability to actually work consistently throughout the year and give them better financial security as a family. Very good point. And you didn't run for politics Karen Devine, come on. Um, I, think, I think the teachers would object, Jerry, myself because I th- I think it's quite a stressful job and has gotten more stressful mm-hmm. in mom- in the last say, 10 years mm-hmm. With 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 size of with 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 modern day problems that young children that children and young people have with social media and mm. with all you know the regulations it's gone very well. I was talking to an SNA the other day um, and uh, she had a fourth class and she said it has there is 
kids age 10 telling teachers to F off and you yeah. can't talk to me like that. You can't touch me. You can't do yeah. this. I have seen it. Uh, children at that age who are sexualized because they're spending too much time on their gaming and watching porn and whatever because they can once they're in and their parents don't really care, they leave them for the weekend and then, you know. So we are in a situation with a society now that is kind of scary mm. and we need to get parents on board really quick with all new kids that are coming on into play with the, the the challenges of parenting and the challenges of and they need help they need help or else all of these kids are going to be uh, we're going to have a massive problem spoke about it here just the other day uh, the outsourcing of parenting because of the pressures on two people to work mm-hmm. to keep a roof over their heads and then when they come home at the weekends they're spun out if they're commuting yeah. etc mm-hmm. it is it's a massive mm-hmm. societal problem just one other thing I was checking the UK just uh, you know to compare uh, the holidays in Ireland and it's relatively similar you know they do mm-hmm. they, they have a, an extra midterm in there mm-hmm. they start later with the summer they run a little bit later into September but overall the days they take over so it's a, an inherited system mm. from a, a British point of view and an Irish point of view as well If I can make a, a just, yeah. a, just a, a personal comment I happen to be married to a teacher who happens to be off for 13 weeks in the summer and if you think it's hard to entertain a teenager for 13 weeks try entertaining a grown adult Are you finished work yet? Are you finished work yet? Are you finished work yet? <laughs> yeah <laughs> Not I do, I do believe and I've said this before I do believe that the state should should assist one parent in parenting at home mm-hmm. and oh, whether yeah. it's the male or the female there are there are yeah. very very qualified and able women to go out there and top any corporate corporation in in Ireland and the UK or anywhere and i think that one of the parents i think it's doing every child it's doing our our children justice for one parent to stay at home uh, whichever parent that is and i also feel that we should invest in our teachers and the teachers should be the best of the classes that are coming out they should be the best teachers like they do in finland they pay them because they pay them so well that it's a job for the best qualified yes. young people yes. to go into and you're getting the best, you're getting the best. education passed on mm. just before we head to our next break coronavirus I know you didn't want to talk about it today but we do have to give it a mention to because it is uh, an impending world pandemic at, at this point in time a case in Northern Ireland we hear about I think it's only a matter of time be, before it comes here what's your gut feeling as a person is is there a bit of panic associated with this the approach I take to everything is control the things that you can control so we Uh, The way I would look at it is the HSC have to do their job to the best of their ability. Government need to resource them to do what they need to do. But we as individuals must focus on the things that we can control. And that those are the very, very basics. They're hand washing. It's covering your mouth. It's disposing of tissues. It's keeping yourself clear of others. And those are really, really basic. But those are the things that we can do ourselves. And if we concentrate on ourselves and the people around us, we... That that's the starting point for the things that we can control. Betty, are you worried? Is it sent from the Lord, for, biblical, to cleanse the like air the and the locusts? Yeah. I'm 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 yeah, wondering, Jerry. Now, I mean, we think we're invincible in this modern world, but what not? We could be all gone in a flash. So spend, spend, spend <laughs> now. Could be saving for the rainy day. It might not happen. No, one thing I want to say about the virus: the lady that did go to to Belfast. I mean, she came on the train, didn't she? She came into Dublin Airport and then she made her way. Yes, right. And doesn't that stop at Drogheda? It 
Tiptoes. The 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 X-Files. And Dundalk. And Dundalk. So sorry. No, but but she she has. So I mean. Yeah, there's one case confirmed, yeah, and yeah, but in yeah, isolation yeah. in Belfast, and their movie, and and, and in self-i- self isolation, Jerry, will 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 you be paid by by your employer? <laughs> Well, that's another question. There are so many they questions. Were, they were talking yeah. about that on the radio the other day. If you, your employer tells you don't come to work because of the virus, then actually they're obliged to pay you. Pay. If you say, I don't think I should come to work because yeah. of the virus, yeah. that's your choice and then, then you're not. So rather than going to work and playing Facebook and WhatsApp and Just being do it do it on home. the Google, you can do it at home. <laughs> yeah. Simple as. Are you worried? Running a business, will you depend on people in and out? Lots of contact with customers, Kira Burke? Look, there's that many challenges to a business. As I had on Monday with the flooding, now I have the coronavirus. It'll be locust nest. Look, I, and if, if there will be, if there was, <laughs> if there was, so, yeah. Do you know the what? Lovely fried. Actually, Karen is right. Locusts are beautiful fried. Yeah, Sorry, I'm, just going, to prom- I'm just going to promote my Satan Stone to be coronavirus free. <laughs> and then everyone will become, look, at, th- we're traveling enormously in as a, as a world population. We're like, this probably came from China years ago and wiped out half the population and nobody talked about it. It's happening and it, probably in Iran, in Bangladesh, in all these places that really in the Western world we, we don't really care about because there's so many people over there and that is that, that is the truth. Like there's people killed there every day. Is anyone talking about it? No. Mm. But once three people are killed in Ireland or England or America whatever it's all over the news yeah. it's frightening though because you can't yeah. see it yeah. you know you don't know we don't know you can't cure it Jerry. it's mm. alright saying but I mean it, it seems to be people who are dying are they have a secondary condition haven't they mm. they're, they're, yeah. and they're older yes. so I suppose yeah. in, Nobody, not in my backyard you know NIMBY it, it, that's, that's a thing with, with a lot of us as well let's take our final break Women With Opinions with us on Late Lunch we're getting your comments keep them coming to us 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text Yes, final leg of Women With Opinions on Late Lunch this afternoon. Uh, I'm going to come on to online gambling now. And Kira Burke, this is a particularly bone of contention with you. Why? Well, I'm very conscious of it. I have four teenage daughters who all have male friends and uh, who would be very friendly with, you know, guys in 16, 17, 18. And most of them are gambling. And uh, the problem, like, we're not talking about it. We're talking about drugs, whatever. But there's a lot of young people gambling as well as because it's the cool thing to do. You can make a little bit of money or you can. They're not talking about what they're losing. And when I see when I saw nine billion pounds being spent on betting in Ireland last year, I kind of thought, OK, what does that result? What does that? How does that work in terms of other spending that the government do? So. Three billion is spent on justice, like I, the guard stations, the guards, the you know all of the uh, justice system in Ireland, and the nine billion that we spent on betting in this country alone is half of the entire health service um, budget, you know. So, like, how come that's not something that we're talking about? There are so many people. The Rutland Centre now is um, it's not drugs or drink; it's gambling and sex addiction that is the latest they're, they're, they're the most important but you see things. online is just the latest way of you know placing a bet 
and, and and not being facetious saying that it, it it's the way of the world that's where we were talking about it here you know online abuse things like that that's just where it's gone naturally but when we were kids to be fair the betting shop was the only place you went you in bet, yeah. and they were pretty grotty yes and yes. pretty unpleasant whereas now as Kira's saying the invisibility of what's happening with online gambling you know parents, siblings, people aren't actually aware that money is being spent in this online gambling and debts can be accrued very quickly. Mm. Betty? Well, I th- it's an addiction really, isn't it, Jerry? Mm. I mean, mm. some of the the GAA sports stars, I've heard them being mm. interviewed over the last, say, couple of years. Oshin McConville. Yeah, and they're a great, they're a great yes. example. Yeah. I really find that's marvellous to hear mm. them actually admitting it and talking about it and influencing young people. That's what you need rather than older people talking to them, someone of their own kind of generation to speak Mm. about it but I don't know that you can just stop it when you talk about the amount of money being spent it's a different thing when it's people's own money Kira. they can do what they want with it what I'm talking about is taking a chunk of the profits that are being like I mean that the the profits that are being made from some of these companies they have to be taxed in order to pay for some of the treatment that oh, is needed. Yeah. Oh, I would to, say to, they are. They yeah. are paying their tax. Yeah. I don't know what that level of tax is, but look at they can't operate without paying a tax. Do you know, Karen? Two percent. Two percent tax to 2%. the government. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and don't they give a certain amount? Uh, they make a big deal of telling you that they 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 gamble they, responsibly. Yeah, they do mm. gamble, and that they. Oh, but they that's just that's just, oh, it's only just tokens. That's yeah, but gamble. True. That's that's part. It's like you know, drink responsibly. That's like a law that they have to put up there yeah. and say. Mm. But yeah. what I'm what I, what I think is scary is. I'm watching Love Island or whatever and then the next ad is um, you know bingo we'll give you 10 euro free bingo thing to get Mm. you get you into it now they won't pay you out until you've accrued so much so you actually have to put more money Mm -hmm. in Mm. it's a very like for for young girls who are looking for money to buy the latest fashion or to get their nails done or to get their Botox done or whatever it's just not out there on your 9 to 5 job so there's Mm. just there's a temptation to um, to get like there's so much involved I'm laughing because you, who mentioned the grotty shops or that mm-hmm. as well it mm. was a sort of a man's world at yeah. that stage the remit the of a man yeah. you know yeah. what I mean yeah. mm. but yeah. with the online thing oh my god oh yeah, it's, but it's, it's pink and it's diamonds yeah. and like all yeah. the so you see based on the different television programmes the yeah. style of gambling ads that are promoted to different people yeah. so, so again is there an answer is there a solution to this is there, is there a way of you, you're saying the profit should be taxed more to go back into the system to help with people who are addicted well I just feel that there's so much profits I mean the um, that girl from three six uh, betting three six five, she uh, Oates, I think is her name, and she got three hundred and sixty five million was her um, dividend and her salary, mm. her salary last mm. year for one year, like. Mm. And I kind of thought, oh my god, like, is, like, are people stupid? But then it's it's. It, but nobody in any walk of life has worked that amount of money, no matter what they do. Realistically, no. legislation could be introduced to prevent the companies being offshore. One of the big issues, actually, is that the money that's spent on betting in this country leaves this country and it leaves our economy. Um, And what we, you know, realistically, there needs to be a higher level of taxation uh, returned into services and... Um, making sure that all of the companies are registered here as opposed to being offshore. But can I just say, like, all across the North East today, there are families that are paying off not only drug debts, but gambling debts and remortgaging their houses for gam- for their sons or daughters who have gambled their their house in, in away in terms of money. And it's happening. Nobody's talking about it enough, I don't think. And it's happening, like, 
every single day of the week and I'd say there will be so many call, like it'll be something that'll be brought up in the next year as a massive problem in this country. And we have introduced a discussion on it here today and we will come back to it. Let me read some of the comments before we finish up. Um, just listening to you talking about working hard. I worked as a cashier in a big supermarket in Soares and I found that all the hard workers were given more work while the lazy ones got less. If everyone did their fair share in the job it would be much easier says Betty is listening in Malahide this afternoon. Nice to hear from you Betty. We had two months holidays in summer. Two weeks midterm. Week for Christmas. Five days for Easter and three to five days in the first week of May and we survived like that all our school days and like the rest of Europe says a listener so happy with the holidays there the coronavirus should be called Thanos do you know who Thanos is he's a super villain he's a cartoon superhero well maybe but it has an official name and an unofficial name um, tra- and uh, just another one traffic lights in Slane are causing major delays we better tell you about that as well today because that's our job here on local uh. radio so in Slane it is jammed up at the moment anyway we're jammed because I want to say a big thank you again to Kira Burke, Betty Clark, and of course the wonderful Karen Devine. Thank you so much thank for you, joining thank me. You, Jerry. That's it for now, but do check out our weekly featured interviews and join us each afternoon for your late lunch from 1.30. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.